there, everyone. Welcome to Tech Finds. If you uh, if you like geeks and you like fermented grapes, you're at the right place. This is uh, this is the podcast where we are going to talk a little bit about technology, and we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some nice wine. And to help me do that, I've got a couple of uh, great friends uh, involved in the podcast. We'll go from right to left. I'm uh, Scott Delandy. I am representing the East Coast from the uh, the suburbs of Boston. And we also have Colin Gallagher, who is representing uh, the Midwest. So he's our Midwest Midwest connection from Ohio, the city of hospitality, Xenia, Ohio, which is just outside of Dayton or closer to Columbus, actually closer to Dayton, uh, but outside of Columbus. And then uh, way out on the West Coast, representing the Pacific Northwest, right in the shadows of Mount Rainier. We have Melissa Gurney Green, who is uh, outside of Seattle, Washington. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. How are you? Yay! We made it to number two. <laughs> yep, episode number two. Episode yes. better, getting stronger. <laughs> if uh, now, now it's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. If you ask, what was more likely that we would actually have another episode of the podcast, or if we would be in quarantine for? Eight weeks and counting, I would have probably said, you know, either of those is, is unlikely, but yet here we are. So let's uh, let's start off. Uh, most importantly, what's everybody drinking tonight? I'm drinking a a Frontenac. Okay. Ooh. It's this is a locally grown in Ohio, so thank you for the shout out. Actually, this is grown about two miles from my house. Um, uh, Frontenac is a interspecific hybrid grape, so it's a cross between. European wine grapes and American um, grapes. So it's resistant to diseases in flux and grows better in, in places in the US where wines don't normally grow. Um, so this is a Frontenac Gris um, grown here locally and it's a bit on the sweet side. So we'll, we'll deal with it. Excellent. And what about you, Melissa? What are you drinking tonight? I'm going with um, something that's very near and dear to my heart. Veuve Clicquot, actually. It's a champagne, so yay. And there's a big story behind it that I'm excited to tell in a bit. So the sh you're drinking champagne. Oh yes. my god! I, I uh, all of a sudden I feel underdressed. I'm wearing well, my. Uh, I, I'm still in my work pajamas. Had I known you were going to be drinking champagne, I would have put on my dress pajamas. So. Well, you know, um, I I do it up. I usually drink this at the end of our conferences um, at HashiCorp. So so it's kind of a thing that we do, and this is where I discovered the champagne. But. Um, but yeah, I dressed up a little bit for it, <laughs> just just because it felt right. Um, Excellent. But a little bit of my missing events kind of <laughs> kind yeah, of vibe going. Yeah, yeah. Eight weeks and counting. I mean, it's 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 incredible that it's been this long. So I'm uh, I'm drinking a Pinot Grigio. Um, I have the bottle in front of me, and I was like, Kill surprise. <laughs> it's I, well, I wanted. I can't really. I was going to tell you what the name of the bottle was, but honestly, I know I'm going to mangle the the uh, the pronunciation. Um, it's from uh, from a place in, in northern Italy. Um, a little bit sweeter. I was drinking. Uh, I usually go to Santa Margarita. It's kind of like you know my Bud Light of the house from a Pinot Grigio standpoint. So I had a little bit of that left. So I finished that off, and then I poured the uh, the new bottle. And this is uh, this is very different. It's a uh, it's it's a lot sweeter. Actually, not a lot sweeter, but definitely sweeter. Um, but it just has it has less of a bite to it. So it's definitely something that. You know, once this all blows over and we're, you, we're sitting outside on a nice day and just looking for something to have in the afternoon, a nice glass of wine, I would definitely recommend this. This will go up in the show notes because, again, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to 
try to pronounce it. So there we go. The most important part. All right. So uh, geeks and fermented grapes. I, I thought I was thinking about that today while I was doing my run. I was like, we need some sort of, you know, catchphrase or, or, or something. And, and I was trying to say, well, we need some sort of, you know, adjective in front of the in front of the uh, adverb in front of the the noun because we've got fermented grapes. And I started Googling well, what rhymes with fermented and cemented <laughs> and cemented. And... I'm sorry. The, the face Colin is making right now is just... <laughs> None of them, none of them sounded good. So I was like, "All right, we'll leave this open. We'll make that. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll work on that for for the next time." Well, but, I was thinking of taglines as well today, and I also did not get anywhere. But I was going a little more erudite, as I'm inclined to do. Okay. And I was like, we could do something with anophilia, which is you know the the love of wine. And I was like, well, what's the love of technology? And I couldn't come up with the equivalent. Yeah, That's I, I, sad. pain, yeah. pain, 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 and. and and uh, whatever. Um, all right. So, well, well, speaking of technology, so, you know, again, we're, we're eight weeks into this and, and, you know, pretty much everybody is, is kind of through the knothole of adjusting um, to the, uh, the work from home or the social distancing and, and you know, not being in, in physical contact with, with people like you normally have been in the past. Um, so, it, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, a lot of things that I'm doing now is I'm, I'm using a lot more apps. Uh, for different things than I had done in the past. So, you know, for example, one of the ways that I keep in touch with with people and what's going on is, believe it or not, is Twitter. And and I don't know if Twitter's still a thing. I know years ago it was, you know, um, from a certainly from you know an industry perspective, a tech perspective, it was one of the great ways of being able to to connect with other folks. And you know, I can't tell you how many times I have met people virtually and communicated with them for literally years before I actually you know physically meet them. Um, but Twitter was 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 an app that I used in the past, and I started using it again. I'm not posting a lot of tweets just yet, um, but it is interesting to see what's going on in the um, you know with people's lives and you know what's happening with the work from home, and and also staying on top of you know what's happening from from an industry perspective with respect to news, because I like it when you can boil things down to 280 characters. It just something about that that makes it easy to 288 to to, to absorb. What about what about you guys? What are you guys using for for apps on the work side? Melissa, you go. Oh, okay. Colin, you go. <laughs> yeah, we got to. I always like when Colin goes first because Colin always sends, sets like the benchmark. It's like okay, no. his his answer was really smart. It was really witty. I better think of something smart and witty as well. So I hate I hate it when you follow me, but but go ahead, you go. Okay. Go, so, go Melissa. No, I was just confused. Go for it. <laughs> so, you know, again, I've been using Twitter as well. I've actually gotten back on Twitter more actively. I used to be highly active. Um, and then sort of over the last six months to a year, I sort of slowed down. Um, but I've sort of been more active, um, helping promote the podcast, but also just talking about other things that are going on in my life, my new uh, stay-at-home haircut. Um, uh, so, you know, getting back on Twitter, which is really good. Um you know, a lot of Zoom. I know, I know you said just use Zoom, but Zoom with the family, um, that's helped. Um, you know, a lot of just email and text message, um, going back and forth on, on both of those with everybody. I think I've sent more text messages in the last, you know, month than I have in the, the couple in the month in the six months prior. A um, little bit of Snapchat, um, a lot of Instagram. Um, just thinking, I'm, you know, I think just 
posting things about what you're doing in the house, what you're looking, you know, your haircut, your fridge, your dog, whatever it happens to be. Um, a lot of Instagram on that. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I've been using a lot sort of to keep myself sane and when sort of, you know me, Scott, I like to change the dynamic and experiment. I, I've started using Kahoot again. Really? I don't know if you know, yeah. I remember we used it at some point for some conference or something, whatever. It was sort of a really interactive way to do polls and keep people interested. And so just particularly with work or even with my family, I've used it just, you know, hey, let's create a little poll, a quiz, and, and go through this and have some fun. And so it's sort of, you know, it keeps me creative and thinking, and then it also allows you to have more engagement interaction, you know, on some of these Zoom calls or whatever you're using. Nice. What about you, Melissa? What are you using? So definitely a shout out to Instagram and Snapchat for keeping me sane, just kind of kind of pulling in the puppy videos and um, sometimes just good old fashioned Facebook for the memes, but um, <laughs> still kind of trickling my way back into Twitter. Um, I, it's been like two years of kind of redefining my voice and refining my voice, I think. Um, when I got started on Twitter, I was I was very embedded in EMC and and kind of learning what it meant. And then when when I changed roles uh, to this new thing, it was like, well, how how do I make this transition? It kind of happened naturally in that I trickled some tweets out and then um, and then it would build. So so definitely doing more on Twitter, both professionally and personally these days. But also Crisp, Crisp is my MVP. Like little little app thing. So Crisp with a K um, does sort of noise canceling for your microphone for you for any kind of web meeting for stuff like this. So a lot of the background noise that happens in the house doesn't necessarily hit my work phone call. And it was super cool before this because I could go to a coffee shop or something, chill, have a work meeting and not have to worry about all the background noise interfering with my work meeting. And I could have like a moment of sort of being out and around adults without um, without necessarily interacting with them directly and just kind of have that point of sanity. But now that we're in this this thing together and I've got a, a house full of five people who are restless and running around all the time, just having crisp and using it to to cancel the noise and and help um, people stay focused on um, what we're talking about is is clutch. You run them on your computer? Yeah, yeah, it's just a little um, piece of software you install on your computer and they have a Teams version so you can actually like get a business account and subscribe your whole team to it if you want as well. Well, it sounds good because I can tell you just, you know, the quality of the audio coming from, from that side is uh, is definitely nice. So it's, it's it really, it doesn't sound tinny. It doesn't sound like it's a typical, you know, type of Zoom meeting or anything that's online so so probably something to uh to, to take a look at so that's the work stuff what are you guys using for fun things and you discover anything new i um opened up my switch again and i've been playing a lot of switch games yeah and it's keeping me sane in the evenings and the weekends and occasionally in the mornings when i wake up um i'm a sort of completist when i play video games and so i am night i had um i gave up on breath of the wild because it, I finished the game, I'd done all the side challenges and a bunch of other other things, and was still only 52% complete. And I was like, oh my God, how many more hours do I need to put into this? Um, but I had also bought Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. Oh. 
which is simple and fun. And yes, it's designed for kids, but it's sort of mindless and helps me relax at the end of the day, you know, deal with the work stress when I'm not yelling at my email anymore. Um, and it's fun. And I am 98 point something percent complete on that. So by the time we film next week, I will be done with that and be looking for new Switch games. Nice. Melissa, what are you doing for fun? Yeah, um, for me, it's all about walks. <laughs> really? Walks and... Um... Yeah, so so for walks, I've, I I use Charity Miles these days. So I, I take the dog for his essential walk. Otherwise, he's tearing the house apart. And um, use Charity Miles, and it's cool because it donates a little bit of money every time I walk the dog to Feeding America, which is super cool and kind of a feel-good thing, especially right now with um, so many people struggling. But um, two, just, just little kind of other things to do. Um, Lots of battle cats, and <laughs> kind of on that video game theme. <laughs> so uh, I play a lot of battle cats, and then um, we're gonna do this sort of um, cards against humanity virtual thing with my brother and his family this weekend. So that'll be super fun. That sounds cool. I will. Uh, I, well, I'll make a confession. I've I've gone to the dark side. I am I am. You guys know, but the audience might not know. Uh, I am addicted to TikTok. I have a problem. I, I'm, I'm willing. <laughs> I'm willing to admit it. What I've what I've found is that there is a there is a there is a specific genre for the, let's just say over forty audience. I'm going to put myself into into that demographic. It's technically accurate. So, <laughs> the over the over forty, um, and uh, it's I, you know it's fun just to see you know the the things that 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 come in. I do notice that. In my um, my for you page, I, there's a lot more celebrities that are on it now and posting. I think it's just because they realized, you know, there's there's nobody coming to buy tickets to see their movies or to do any of their concerts or go to any events or anything like that. So they're looking, well, how do I go out and get, you know, more exposure? So I, I noticed that, and I'll, I'll tell you, as soon as I see see a celebrity, I scroll right by it because. I like I like the ones that you know just the the real raw ones the people that have no talent no special skills and uh, and you, you see some interesting things um, I do I, I'll admit I do post content I'm a, I'm a pretty good lip syncer like everybody on on TikTok and um, my kids get very frustrated with me because when I when I post things they have no idea how it happens but I get I get thousands thousands of views and maybe not thousands of likes, but definitely within the hundreds of likes. And, and they don't understand how that happens and, and why it is. And, you know, I, I attribute it to being, you know, the, uh, the demographic, the over 40 uh, demographic. Plus, you know, my, my content is pretty tight. I, I, I'll, I'll say that. So, you know, your, I, your I, I put some, legit. my content <laughs> is always, yes. And, you know, we, and it's always, you know, a very, I, I, I always make sure that we have a very good production value so we have to have multiple camera angles and we do reshoots and we do all. That. So that 15 seconds that you're seeing that you're like, oh, my God, you should know that that probably took two to three hours. It took a dress rehearsal. We had to block everything out. It was all completely scripted. So while it looks, you know, that it's just it just naturally happens and it's it's just this random thing. Oh, no, it's not. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that. So very well. Then, I'll have to subscribe and follow. You are you on TikTok? I am I not know, right now. I I okay. What about you, Melissa? Are you on it? 
I am not, but when you send me the videos, I always watch them, and they're solid, and you make a strong, strong argument for me to join TikTok just to watch your videos. So... It's... <laughs> Well, it's it's addicting because everything is in fifteen seconds, right? You, it's typically the the length, and it's and it's um and you you just sit there and you watch one, you watch one, you watch one. You're like, all right, I'm only gonna do one more, and it's like, oh shit. And then you do another one, you do another one, and then you look up and it's like, oh my god, I've been on this thing for forty five minutes. And if you're watching clips at fifteen seconds each, you know, do the math on that. It's you know, it's a lot, right? So uh, so that's that's been kind of my my thing and i and i notice when you see commercials on tv or anything everything is kind of geared towards that that whole sort of you know tiktok look so so we mentioned this on the first podcast but i think there's something there from a from a uh, a sponsorship corporate type of thing where you know there's a lot of views that are happening in there and i and i don't know that you know the the advertising world has quite figured out how to you know, fully take advantage of that of that media because it definitely has a lot of a lot of reach and a, and a lot of views, right? And so especially for the for, the over forty, right? And I put so forget quotes. Twitch. The next platform is TikTok. I think so. I think so because here's one of my observations, right? Is so like you you listen to today's music, and there are no good songs, right? I mean. Generally speaking, they're not really. When you listen to things today, and I, I pick up on this, nobody is is making a song that's going to be played from beginning to end. What they're doing is they're looking for that 15 seconds that that you know 14 year old is going to do some dance and maybe get on Ellen and and you know be able to get exposure because they don't they don't need a whole two three minute track anymore. They just need 15 seconds, and if they can get that and people start to listen to it. So my, my kids, they know every song that comes on the radio, but they most of the times, they, I mean, they've heard the full song, but they never really listen to the full song. Everything is in, like, these 15-second chunks, which is which is interesting because it's, it's definitely a, uh, um, you know, it's good to see that that's how content is, is starting uh, to be consumed. But it's also concerning because you're being sort of institutionalized into everything has to be in a 15-second soundbite. And if it's not, I'm going to scroll on to, to the next thing, right? And if you're not making me laugh or doing something funny or whatever it is, then I'm not interested and I'll just keep going on. And you have the ability to do that where you just click, 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 click. So it's, uh, so it's interesting. So that's, that's my observation is, uh, is, is that. I want to go back, Scott, and ask you about you know, home production values. What have you guys seen that's been produced at home that you think is really good and worth emulating? Because, you know, I think there was a bunch of raw content that came out, but I'm starting to see things, people are grokking it and sort of doing interesting creative things, even though they're trapped in their houses. Um, I think the ones where it's not just a single shot where they do a lot of editing in, in the sense that it's different angles and there's, you know, wardrobe changes and they're applying makeup and they've got, you know, different, you know, it, those are the ones where you look at it and it's like, oh, my God, how long did it take this person to, to come up with this? Not just come up with the idea, but then to actually shoot it and get it down to 15 seconds where at the end of it, you're like, oh, my God, that was pretty good. So I think that's that's a part of it because you guys know you guys create content. You know, it is way easier to get up there and give a 60 minute presentation than it is to get up there and give a six minute presentation. Right. And, and same thing here where it's it's way easier to, to probably get a, you know, a two minutes 
video than it is to get it down to a you know a 15 second video that someone's going to hit that like button and you're going to look at it and again look at me I'm you know in the over 40 and I've got a pretty you know it's it's amazing and that's part of why it's so addictive because it's like all right now you have to top yourself it's like okay that one that one took a lot of effort and yeah okay I closed a bunch of cabinet doors to uh, to a Phil Collins song and it just so happened that on the 17th take, like all the doors slammed in synchronization with the drums and it was perfect. And it was like awesome. And then it's 15 seconds. Of course, it took, again, 17 tries and God only knows what to, to, to block it out. And then it's like, OK, so now how do I top that? What am I going to do next? So it, it, it becomes obsessive. But not just TikTok. I've seen like TV commercials where people are filming themselves on a webcam without makeup. I saw um, Mark Cuban on something recently, and God, he looked awful. I'm like, put a little production value into it, you know. Get some makeup on. Get some anti-shine. You know, you can order that off Amazon. Um, but yeah. yeah or... so I... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Or you could just cheat. Um, today was a um, exciting day for us in that um, one of my people was on Deserted Island DevOps, which was this cool little conference hosted inside Animal Crossing for you Switch lovers out there. So while these people are on audio giving their talk, they're also logged into Animal Crossing, presenting and moving their little Animal Crossing characters and, and kind of addressing the audience. And um, I think the viewership for, for, the, for the session that we did was over... 7,000. Um, and then I think concurrent, we had 800 watching, which for a longer kind of talk or production value is, is pretty impactful, right? So, um, so I really kind of fell in love with that idea of hosting a conference inside of a video game. And I was kind of in love with the idea before before this came out. But um, seeing it in action was super, super cool and exciting. And you don't I need saw... makeup. <laughs> I saw, speaking of, I saw um, a video on YouTube yesterday that was filmed on people's phones and then edited together. And I was blown away by how great it came across. You could tell it, it didn't have, you know, super high class production value. It was probably done on iMovie or something. But um, it was Todrick Hall's new video. Do you guys know Todrick Hall? Uh, he's a choreographer and, and singer. Um, I think he choreographed for Madonna or, or Britney or somebody like that for a while. Um, but he's gone out on his own, and he has, a, he, has a, he has a song that's quite in the zeitgeist right now called Masks, Mask, Gloves, Soap, and Scrubs. And it's, nice. him with a, and it's him in front of a camera, someone's holding it for him, and following him around. But then he, he must have sent it out to his fans, or select fans, and they film themselves lip-syncing to it, so sort of TikTok-like Scott. And then he cuts back and forth, and you know they'll do him and the two side-by-side -side or just different views. And just the amount, just cutting back and forth between different home shots really makes it look interesting and exciting. But that's the, that's the stuff that I like. I like the stuff that is kind of homegrown. It's not something that, you know, you go into a production studio and you're paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for, you know, somebody to come in and someone to, you know, set up the lighting and the cameras and to do, you know, the audio and, and all of that, because, you know, those things, while, while they're nice, you know, they're supposed to be nice because you have an expectation that, you know, here's something that's that's professional quality. I like the ones that are raw and sometimes, you know, they're a little bit off and and, and it's more about the it's it's more about the, the creativity of what that content is versus the production that gets wrapped around it. 
So I want a little bit of production value. I, I think you know it's got to be polished and a little bit of fine tuning. You know, it can't just be you know someone sitting there. But like I said, you have someone else shoot it, you rehearse it. That's production value too, Scott. But that's what I'm saying yeah. is it's not just it's not just point the camera and go. It's it's all the other things where like you you, you know you don't have a, a budget where you're putting this together. You just have an endless amount of time, right? right? And that's where you see some of these things and you know that it's it's you know only a couple of seconds worth of content, but you just look at that and it's like, this person had to spend half a day to do this, right? And that's the stuff that I think is pretty cool. Two things that are kind of high, high value on that list of, of people who kind of recorded from their phones or whatever and, and posted, there was one that was like all the stunt doubles did a, a video where where they linked together like fight scenes that was really cool um i can link it for the for the podcast but also the adam sandler pete davidson um song that came out on snl this week or i think it was this week right <laughs> track. but it was but it was super fun and cute and, and and it had it had again there there was no camera crew there was it was it was you know kind of really you know it didn't have you know the big you know, Saturday Night Live, you know, production quality. It was all about the content and just the, the creativity of the, of the bit, right? And that's that's the cool part. Yeah, so, I'm actually working on, I, I, I had a, a film planned to shoot this month, you know, a little short piece for work and sort of rethinking it now. How can we actually rethink it? It's a multi-person conversation dialogue, but can we actually translate that into sort of a Zoom format have people record it on their own phones and then edit together to look like it's a Zoom conversation. Um, so I'm kind of working on that. We'll let you know how that comes out, but I just started re-swizzling re it this week. It's a, it's a solid idea, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward because it's relatable. It's relatable to, to everybody in terms of, you know, that's that's an interaction. And, and, and again, you, you see it. It doesn't have to be something that costs a ton of money from a production standpoint. Again, it's it's the creativity and, and the content that that now it has to stand on its own for, which is uh, which is great because I think, you know, we've we've been involved in productions all three of us in the past where it was really about you know the big boom and the and the lights and making something blow up on stage with a big bomb and everybody's sitting around going why the hell did they blow that thing up I okay it made a lot of noise and there was smoke. But I don't understand what that had to do. Whatever the thing is that you're trying to, everyone, they're everyone's smiling right now because you guys. <laughs> oh no, I, I want to talk about bubbles, Scott. <laughs> oh yeah. God, the bubbles. So let's go into bubbles. <laughs> you're gonna go into the bubble story because I have to tell you that was that was one where. All right, so what Colin's referring to. It was a to, great concept. It just back, did not. It had because well. do, do you know do you know why? Because it wasn't completely tested. That was the problem, right? So what had happened is we did a keynote presentation and somehow we worked in this concept of, of a bubble machine midway through the, the presentation. And so at the end, what we wanted to do was, you know, a, a conference hall where, what was this, like 10,000 people? I mean, there was a lot of people in there. So what we did, and, and Colin paid for it, by the way, out of the marketing budget, as I recall, <laughs> we went out and we got oh, like wow. 16 industrial strength bubble machines and we had them hang them in the rafters of this big auditorium and we were going to use it at the end you know the the keynote would be over and the lawrence walk music would come up and for the demographic we were at at the time this was going to be goal because everybody would have recognized it and it would have connected it to the earlier point within within the presentation and 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 it would be awesome right so the night before we did the we did the dress rehearsal 
and they kicked off the bubble machine and they let it run for like maybe 15, 20 seconds. And it was awesome because the whole room filled up with bubbles and it looked really cool. And with all the lightings and again, you're looking out there and it's just this blank, you know, area where again, 10,000 people are going to be sitting there tomorrow. And you're like, oh, baby, this is going to be gold. I, you know, I can punch my ticket and go work anywhere after this, right? People will be talking about this forever. And so the concept was great. The problem was is we only ran it for like 20 seconds. And what we didn't realize is that what happens is when you, when you make the bubbles, the bubbles rise. And at some point in time, the bubbles hit the roof. And when they hit the roof, they pop. And when they pop, the moisture, the liquid from the bubble, rains down. So we had 10,000 people. It was the end of the keynote. We fired up all the bubble machines. The entire place filled up with bubbles. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, this was pretty cool. And then all the bubbles started popping. And it was literally a downpour of soap over 10,000 people. It was like you were spitting on the audience, Scott. You spat on the audience with 10,000 people. It's so what you had is a riot of 10,000 people running out of the auditorium because it was literally raining inside. And it was like, oh, man, we're going to lose our jobs. Last night, we thought we were like, gonna, you know, we're going to get promoted. This is the best thing ever. This is a great gag. And then didn't work out because we didn't test it. That was the problem. Yep. I'm, I'm going with that. I, I'm, I'm not giving up on the fact that creatively it was a great idea. And when we ran it in the rehearsal, mm-hmm. it looked awesome. We just didn't <laughs> realize that gravity was going to come into play. We forgot about gravity. Gravity screwed us on that one. That was the problem. Well, you, have to, you always have to remember the length of these things, too, because I've gotten in trouble. I got in trouble um, in, in Pure. We did a confetti blast for the new uh, uh, X-Series, and it was great, you know, we, but it went on forever. It was literally a minute of confetti, so much of it that the presenters were obscured from the stage, and it was just like, so it totally broke the flow of the presentation. Oh man! So yeah, test it. Test the timing. You tested. You just tested in production. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to go back to the wine? Yes, of course. Time? <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of time. Yep. So, so we got nowhere to go. What's your wine we story? Eight, what's your wine we got story? Eight more weeks. Yes. What's the wine? Yes, please. So, I, to be clear, I'm not much of a white wine drinker, and when I do drink white of any variety, it's usually because someone like on a very short list of people I can count on my hand and have leftovers, um, namely you, Colin, for one, but um, have suggested it to me, right? Um, Partly because I have issues with grapefruit, but also just because I, it's hard for me to find a good white. Um, But in this case, I I discovered this one through um, our events team, specifically Yana Baroda, who um, runs our events and experiential team. But, um, the end of my first HashiConf in 2018, she's like, this is what we do after HashiConf. And she poured me a glass and handed it to me. And then she tells me this beautiful story. Now, Veuve Clicquot stands for Widow Clicquot. And it's French, right? Because champagne. But, <laughs> but this, this woman, 200 years ago, um, was in the champagne industry in France, where it was dominated by men. And... Um, found herself widowed and passionate about champagne and um, found a way to run this business and learn how to run a business in an environment where literally no one was doing it. So she's the original lady boss. But in addition to that, the way champagne and all sparkling wines were made at the time, 
introduced a lot of sediment into the drink itself, which hopefully appeals to the wine nerd and Colin, who will help me not screw this up. But um, she invented the riddling table. And <laughs> what, what happened is there, there's a lot of sediment and a lot of kind of process around champagne and sparkling wines at the time where you'd have the sediment collect in the bottom of the bottle. So you'd have to pop the cork once, once the um, yeast and stuff was done making the bubbles for the champagne, pour it into another bottle, which wasted a bottle and a whole lot of wine. And then cork it back and ship it. Well, what she did was invent this table and how she did it was she's like, just drill a bunch of holes in my kitchen table um, at varying angles and we'll figure it out. So, so then she turns the bottles upside down and the sediment collects at the top instead of at the bottom. And that's important because you pop the cork, the sediment will come shooting out and then you can throw another cork on there and you save the bottle and the wine comes out really clear comparatively and beautiful and it's still kind of the way things are done today which was kind of amazing so so kind of changing the approach and being kind of a technical leader and and the original boss lady i was like this is a really cool story so i have to get behind this but but it was super exciting for me and i probably totally mangled the technology behind it but but that's the story their whole podcast dedicated to this woman and the things she's done for the wine industry and kind of her struggles as as a business person 200 years ago so no that's totally awesome that is that is the method i think it's pretty much practiced today i think they may freeze it now as well so, so you lose less liquid um you just take the frozen chunk that's got the sediment out and you put the rest in but it's basically the same process yeah cool cool and, and the myth method champenoise because there are other ways to do a sparkling wine but that's the method champenoise nice so See, what's the story behind your wine, Colin? There has my to story be a story. Wine is I actually picked these grapes. Again, Are as I serious? said, it's, gro it's grown a couple miles down the road. Um, yeah, when we moved here, um, we looked around and there was a, a, a winery that was um, on Google Maps and we like drove by and, and there was nothing there. And we sort of said, okay, it must have been old, whatever. And then a uh, couple of years after we're here, two years, some neighbors said, oh, there's a winery opening on the street. So we actually popped by. We were one of the first people to pop by and got to know the owner and the winemaker. And my other, my brother dated the winemaker for a bit. Um, and, and then she moved in here when she broke up with a different boyfriend. So very incestuous. But anyhow, um, you know, when, when harvest time comes, they call up local people to go harvest. And so, you know, we go over uh, and we are part of a crew that harvests the grapes. Um, and we'll also help with the bottling in, in the spring. Um, so I picked these grapes um, and I really, you know, I think I like this grape. It's a really interesting grape. Um, this one, this, this uh, bottle for me is a little too sweet. I can tell that they've back sweetened it. Um, if you folks don't know what back sweetening is, that's where you add sugar after the fermentation is complete to make it sweeter. Um, yes, we're in Ohio. People like sweet wines here. Um, so they, they apparently wasn't sweet enough, so they added some sugar to it, but you can actually taste the sugar on it. Um, back sweetening is not allowed in real wine regions. You can't do it in California. You can't do it in Europe, etc. Um, nor can you chaptalize, which is the other um, sugar added term, which is where you add sugar before fermentation to increase the alcohol content because the yeast turns the sugar into alcohol. Um, but overall, I picked this. It's a nice. It's nice. It's um, minerally. I also like the, the fact that it, this is a man-made grape. 
You know, it's a blend, it's a, it's a hybrid of, of two different types of grapes. This is actually done at the University of Minnesota. Um, and not only that, but it's a mutation of a Frontenac. So I said this is Frontenac Gris, which stands for gray. Um, Frontenac is originally a red grape, and I've actually got some planted here um, on my property, growing, maybe. Um, maybe I'll make some wine out of them someday. But this is a Frontenac Gris, which started out as a single bud mutation that was gray instead of red. And then they cloned that and made a whole white wine line out of it. So it's interesting. That's exciting. What about you, Scott? What's uh, what's the story behind your wine? So this is why I hate following Colin. I, and even you, <laughs> Melissa. I mean, you guys. So I got mine because it was on sale <laughs> at the liquor store. It was like, it's normally like a $30 bottle of wine. It was on sale for 22 bucks. I was like, hey, eight bucks. I'll take it, right? Um but I was looking for a Pinot Grigio because that's that's what I drink when it comes to, to whites, and so you know, in in Italian. And I just I read the description, and it it had all the you know the keywords around. You know, it had a, a pear taste, and it was you know sweet, but it was a little bit dry. I was like, all right, and I read that. I was like, okay, I, this this sounds good. I I would uh I would drink that. And so um, but I got it. But but the fact that it was on sale definitely. <laughs> I didn't grow any grapes in the back. I don't have any, you know, STEM lesson for, you know, the folks that are listening around, you know, well, hey, you could drill holes in your table and you could take what used to take two weeks and get it down to two days. I don't have anything like that. So um, it tastes good. It tastes, it's, it's okay that it tastes good. Uh, yeah. Okay. It <laughs> tastes, yes, it tastes, story. it tastes great. Yes. And I realized, and I realized I was in trouble because I didn't really look at the label because I don't base anything on the label. I just kind of look for the region and kind of, you know, what it's supposed to take like. So I don't, I don't necessarily go by what, whatever is, is printed on the bottle. And then I got it home and I looked at it and the label is in Italian and it's like a heavy Italian like name. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I can't pronounce this. I'm going to sound like a moron. So do you I, see I, the region on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> you really want me to do this? All right. It's uh. Isectal Sudador Sudadoral Valet Izarco Alto Adage. You see, this is my point. This is why I was like, <laughs> just pour it into, you know, a, a just a, a milk jug and be like, that's eh, wine, table wine. Let's go with that. So yeah, I don't have a real great backstory for it other than. But you did provide a gift for the entire crew. What's that? The oh the oh so yes I see so everybody so that's a good point so everybody is sporting their uh, their nose rings which is uh, which is nice so uh, we talked about that in the uh, in the first episode and um, I wanted to make sure that that everybody had one I I saw Colin uh, actually posted some stuff today so I know he's been wearing his uh, throughout the day Melissa have you been wearing yours at all. I put my on right before this podcast, but I will so definitely this... wear it tomorrow and see. Okay. It should be fun because I have like this big meeting with the people team tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so so it'll be it'll be a nice kind of change. Yeah, yeah. I used to wear it out when I would go like to the stores or whatever, but now we have to wear masks, so I have my mask so I don't put it on when I go out just because I'm afraid I'm gonna it's gonna fall off and I'm gonna lose it. It is a fake, so I, I think what we should do is, you know, check back in next week and see how the nose ring experiment goes, and, and then we can uh, decide whether or not we want to make that permanent. I've been I've been told by folks that if you do that, it, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. I think, Melissa, you weighed in on that. You said, didn't you say it hurts? 
Was it? I don't know if nose rings hurt. Nose rings. So All right. I I imagine if you're taking off like a t-shirt and it pulls that you're in trouble. But um, but my experience with piercings is not with nose rings. Okay. We'll save that one for the next podcast then. <laughs> but I will say, if you touch want to figure out how many times you touch your face, wear a fake nose ring. Because mm-hmm. I have rubbed it off three times today. Because really, yeah, yep. it's, I'm, I would have never known. I would, I never would have noticed I was touching my face except for the fact that I knocked it off onto the floor. Yep. That's no good. Or the desire to touch your face because I've been all podcasts like, don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to get used to. So, all right, we're we're I think Bjork, we're wrapping up soon. Yep. So the thing we do at the end of every episode is the host, which is Scott this time, passes a torch to the next host, which is going to be Melissa. And That's he definitely going to be Melissa. And he has to give a wine challenge. What are we drinking next week? All right. So I, I I did put a lot of thought into this, more than my my wine selection tonight, and I and I'm going to go a little bit off the grid here. So. So Melissa will be hosting for the uh, for the next episode. But when I looked at the calendar, um, I noticed it's uh, beginning of May, uh, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Um, I'm not sure if that will be the exact day, but it'll be close enough to, to May 5th. So I think tequila. I know it's not a wine. I know we're kind of breaking the rules a little bit. So it's not technically a grape. So maybe what we do is we have wine, you know, but we also have to have uh, a shot of tequila just in, in honor of uh, Cinco de Mayo. We have to do a vir- because it's us, we have to do a virtual body shot of tequila. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. We'll have to do the tequila together. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but then we need a wine that goes with tequila if we're going to do tequila and wine, which sounds like a mess. But okay, I'm, I'm in. Okay. See, this is the see. We're, this is why this podcast is headed in such a great direction. We started with something, you know, classy. With you know, we started with red wine. I believe that was Melissa's pick, and then we went to white, and that was a, a Colin pick, and then of course it comes to me, and I go to tequila. So, um, bonus if you uh, if you eat the worm, if it comes. Do they still do that? I don't even see that in bottles anymore. I don't think they do the tequila worms anymore. At least the high end stuff, it's never in there anymore. It's never in the high-end stuff I see, but I've still seen it done. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't we'll think have... it's considered high-end. I don't think it's considered high-end. It's novelty. But I have some great tequila information, too, speaking of, so I can throw Woo! that in this week, too. Oh, all right. So you, okay, good. We'll learn something about tequila. Excellent. Yep. There's, there's a band. You can think about this. Don't Google it, but think about it. Tequila popularity in the U.S. was driven by a band. I know yes. who that is. I don't even have to research it. I know who that was. <laughs> And it wasn't a band; it was a singer of a band. But same thing. Anyway, no spoiler alert. No spoiler alert. Okay, all right, all right. Hey, we made it through uh, episode two. Um, uh, I, I want to thank everybody for for uh, downloading and, and supporting this. And and you know we're we're still kind of testing the waters on this and and kind of figuring it out as as we go along. But again, we we had talked about doing this. Um, for a long time, and it's it's great to finally actually you know have it happen, and uh, and we'll keep working on it. And uh, again, thank thanks for everybody that that took the time to to, to listen in. If you're still listening to the uh, to the whole thing, um, but for uh, for Melissa representing representing uh, the uh, the Pacific Northwest, Colin keeping it real in the uh, the 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 Midwest, and then uh, me from the the East Coast. 
out here in, uh, in lovely uh, Boston town. Um, thanks everybody for joining and, and tune in next time. And we're going to have, uh, we're going to have tequila and uh, we'll see if anybody got anything pierced while we were uh, away. But uh, thanks for joining and we'll be back. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Peace out.